0: Hey, I'm Stephen Povatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning. So glad you're here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a funny thing to say. I say that lots, but, you know, it's funny to say it on a day when uh, obviously what we're talking about is welcome and welcoming. Like, I feel like I have to welcome you again, but I do it all the time and I'm more self-conscious about it. Uh, I don't know if you're here today. You haven't been with us the last few weeks. We're doing a, ser- we're having a series called How to Church, and we're thinking about all the different elements that go into coming and being a part of a gathering like this. And we've been playfully making up words along the way. So we've talked about some of the different elements of the church thing we do, like uh, having communion, and we called that tabling. Uh, We talked about what it means to interact and engage with Scripture. We called that what? What do we call that? Y'all gonna make me start this whole thing over, all right? Like, what do we call it? Wording, okay, all right. We have wording and tabling, and we talked about that thing where you just come in, and you mix and mingle, and we called that what? Peopleing, yeah. So people, Man, y'all, y'all just... y'all doing great. Um, and today, so in our kind of... Uh, in, in our work on, you know, making up some of these words to express what we're doing together, uh, it's when, we, when we come and we have church... and by the way, part of the purpose of this whole series is just kind of demystify some of this stuff. Because I recognize that in our world, you know, we're in a place, uh, especially in post-pandemic USA, uh, where a lot of people are saying, man, I don't even know what we're doing when we go there. Why Why do we even do that thing? Uh, and thinking a little bit more clearly, um, and by the way, it's a gift sometimes to have our assumptions wiped clean. And sometimes it's a good thing to come in and start back at the beginning and say, wait, this thing we do, like, wh- wh- why? What is it? Why do we do it that way? And what does it mean to do it well? To Think about the way we pursue it. So we're kind of... Working on some of those and thinking about what it means to church, to church well. So peopling and tabling and wording are all part of that. One of the most simply overlooked parts of the things that we do together when we come to church, though, I would call welcoming. Um, And I know some of you guys are like, uh, wait a minute, you didn't make up that word. I want to tell you, I'm not tapping right now. Um, yeah, that was going to sting for a minute. And you may have heard me say welcoming, and you immediately went to the word that you already know. Which is a very, very old English word. goes all the way back into our Middle English times, uh, a word that um, comes with the roots of will and the word the root of coming. And it means something like acknowledging the presence uh, acknowledging the arrival of someone uh, who comes who gives pleasure to somebody else. okay? In other words, I like that you are here. That's the old ancient word is "I like you it is. It is in my pleasure, in my will, that you are here with me. And that's a good thing, too. That's not a bad way to start as we think about what welcoming means. But I'm actually, I I want you to know that I'm thinking of welcoming as being something that is kind of a a shortened phrase of a word that I do believe is fairly uh, um, unique to my usage. And that is, well, come on in, ing, okay? But that just seemed like a little bit long to put on each of the slides. Well, come on in, Ing, is what we do when we create space for another. And I do realize that that comma is a crime against humanity. Uh, But, you know, my grammar friends are just going to have to let it go. I'm so sorry, Yana, that I did this to you. Well, come on in, is what you say. When you are letting somebody know, not just that it pleases you that you're, they are there, but when you are actively ready to make space for someone. And it is a fundamental thing that we do in church. Now, this big old dinosaur building has lots of open pews in it. And you may think that that indicates that there is space for everybody here but I'm going to assure you that there are people that walk in here every week and wonder if that's really true or not. And you might be here today. And you may be wondering if there's space here for you. And you may be wondering that not because you're a first-time visitor, but you may have been coming here for a decade and still wondering, is there space for me there? And part of our work in well come on inning is to remind each other that in the gospel of Jesus, God makes space for us, and that He embraces us and welcomes us in, bringing us in closer and closer to where. He is. This is part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To be one of those who Jesus found along the way, and sometimes in surprising spaces like at the seashore of Galilee or at the table of the tax collector. Here that the Messiah, that this rabbi was creating space in his orbit, or you. It is part of the miracle of the gospel. This word welcome is one of those common words that we see all over the place. And it's easy to skip over it whenever you see it in scripture. It actually shows up in more ways than you might think. There are actually a couple of different words that the Greeks use for the, the word welcome, what, what we say is welcoming. Mean, they all kind of overlap. They kind of mean similar and uh things a little bit of variation. And so they show up all over the text. Sometimes they're translated as accept, sometimes they're translated as receive, and sometimes just with that word welcome. There's been a text that uses this word uh, that has for years, it's haunted me, I think is the way to say that. It has been a text that I think of over and over again, and it strikes me because it uses this common word, welcome, but it does it in a way that I think has shocking implications for what it means to be humans before God and for what God calls us to be in this space. Has something to say what it means of how to church. Romans chapter 15, in the seventh verse, where Paul writes this, "'Welcome one another, therefore.'" Just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The NIV translates this as accept, and, you know, like I said, they're all in the same kind of constellations of meaning, but something about the way that this NRSV translation of welcome phrases this, it strikes me as just odd enough to get my attention. It's a little funny to think about. Jesus playing the part in our service, not of the preacher or the song leader or anything like that, what would Jesus' role be in our worship today? Maybe he would be the one that gives the welcome, right? The one who stands at the very beginning and says, I'm glad you're here. And he means it. Or maybe he stands at the door, handing out bulletins, telling People, hey, I'm glad you came today. Jesus, the chief usher of the church, is kind of a funny idea to me. The person who is ready to make sure that everyone has space, that everyone knows that there is a place for them. Of course, Paul's challenge here is not just to say that uh, Jesus is one that performs welcome, but to challenge the church that lives in his name to say, you also should live towards each other with an attitude that welcomes each other. And that's a more radical challenge than you might have thought easier. We're not talking either. We're not just talking about the concept of maybe like some easy southern hospitality that says, well, you know, okay. Of course, everybody's welcome, but here in this text, in the middle of Romans, Paul is actually addressing people who have hard feelings with each other. He's addressing people who are in the middle of a controversy about how much of the the old laws they're going to follow with each other or not. It's a place where there's radical, uh, a a sense of division between some uh, ethnic groups, some Gentiles and Jews that are having conflicts in the way that they practice meals together. Here, what he, when he says this in Romans chapter 15, he's not just talking about church order like, hey, just make sure that you have a good call to worship at the beginning. But rather, he says, he's talking here about the way that you treat people with whom you have differences. The way that you treat somebody who may rub up against you with Some kind of uncomfortable ways, right? In fact, for those of you guys that know the book of Romans well, you know that this pat this this is Romans chapter fourteen and fifteen is when he's dealing with this whole like Jew Gentile whether you know what you eat when you get together kind of thing. All right. What you may not know is that that text begins with a charge to welcome, and it ends here at the end in in the middle of chapter fifteen. With again a reminder to welcoming. It's almost as though this whole text about how you deal with people with whom you disagree comes down to there you make space for them. There you make space with people not just who line up with you on every, on every issue, not just with people who see things from your perspective. But dare you create and share space with those with whom you may have radical disagreement. sometimes. That strikes me as a profound way of handling the realities that sometimes getting along is more than just kind of wishing it were so. Welcome one another. Turns out to be a powerful statement of the ethics of community about what it means to treat people with whom we are called to share life. Learning to share space, even when it gets maybe a little challenging and a little difficult. The welcoming is important. It's a critical thing that is too easily kind of passed over and skipped over. It's something that is at the very beginning of our relationship with somebody. We, we welcome them in for the first time, but even over time, even after even difficulties might have been created, we still are learning to practice what it means to welcome each other over and over and over again. So I want to think about this And I want to, like we've done over these last few weeks with this how to church thing, I want to give you a a couple of tips of how to uh, welcoming, how do I do that? How to welcome people well. And the first one is simply the practice of seeing people. To see people and to see them in their personhood and see them for who they are and not just who you might wish they are. Be able to just simply and fully see the divine image of God born by each other living person that we encounter. This is remarkable skill. Jesus himself tells a parable about, uh, or, or an image, I don't even know if we'd call it a parable, about people who were able to perceive his own presence in surprising people, people who were imprisoned or hungry or alone. There's a, uh, one of the ancient church fathers, a guy by the name of John Chrysostrom, uh, he was in the area of Istanbul uh, and in Turkey, modern here. he lived in the 400s, and he said something uh, so profound about this practice of being able to see people. He said, if you cannot see Jesus in the beggar at the church door you will never be able to see him in the chalice speaking of communion pretty profound right and pretty challenging to say in this symbol that we have of of when we come and we, we we recognize the body of Jesus in the bread and we recognize his blood and his his actions in the in the wine that we take those little little bitty Chalice, some of them are shaped like chalice. It depends on which box you got it from, okay? But in that moment at the table, there's a moment where we are charged to discern Jesus' body. It's awesome to say, you'll never recognize Jesus in that place. You can't recognize him in the face of a person in need. you see people and see Jesus in them. If you can practice that habit of being able to see the divine image in all these broken vessels, you're way down the road of being able to welcome them, right? Maybe in that space, that's really part of the secret sauce of what it means to be good at welcoming each other, whether we're new or whether it's somebody that we have conflict in. Being able to recognize the image of Jesus in each person. That text in Matthew, Jesus, after he's sorted some sheep and goats, says that the deciding factor was whether or not they could recognize him in all these people, right? And people are either astonished that they saw Jesus or astonished that they didn't. Let us be a people who practices this over and over again, practices what it means to see people well. I, I'll tell you, and I I'm, I'm, say this confessionally, it's so common, so easy to just not do this. For myself, and I've told you guys before, you know, we kind of go through this practice as a church staff where we often, um, often before we've even left the building, you know, Shannon will send a text and say, okay, who did we see today, right, and usually what we're saying is, who did we see that was new, like we're trying to make sure and pay attention to people that are new, because we know it's so easy as come and go, and nobody ever noticed, and so we try to do that, and I, I'm astonished at my own self how many times I have to say, Oh, they were there. I didn't see them. And frankly, I'm even more condemned by how many times I know that I talked to somebody and yet I didn't really really see them. You know what I'm saying? You know the difference between feeling seen and just feeling talked to? I'm working on it. I think we're all working on it together. Don't put the next one up yet, Hannah, hold it for a second. Um, because I wanna give a little bit of a a, a warning about this next one. I almost didn't put this on, but number two, I'm just saying everybody you might need to pull your toes inside your shoes a little bit, okay? When we see people, secondly, we need to show people that they are better and more valuable than our phones. Okay. All right, number three. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about this? There's a guy I follow named John Gruber, he's a tech writer. And he talked about the reality that nobody I think really wants to talk about that uh, for a lot of us, like we really almost do but the level of a deep conviction mm-hmm. thinks that these little computers that we carry around are actually better than the people with whom we interact. And I gotta say, they have a lot to commend them. They can tell me lots of interesting facts that I didn't know. They can look up stuff in the blink of an eye, endless entertainment whenever I want it. And they also can commute, uh, they, they do all that, they provide all that entertainment and engagement without almost ever challenging me. I'm in complete control of what I do or what I don't do at any given time. The conversation with my phone never goes in directions that I don't want it to. He was writing this almost proudly. He was saying that like when he's in the grocery store and everybody kind of talks about, oh, it's kind of silly. We're all in there in lines with our phones instead of like actually looking at the people next to us. He was like, why would I want to talk to the person next to me at the grocery store? They're nowhere nearly as easy or engaging as what I can instantly pull up on my little device. And he's talking some truth there, but it's a dangerous truth. So if I had to ask you to put a number up, how many people in this room, percentage-wise, you think are more fun to talk to the little computer in your pocket are there 80% of the people here who bring more value to your life In your Android or iPhone? Fifty? Forty? Thirty? Like Abraham, oh, be not offended, oh, church, if I say twenty. What about for five? For five souls of interest. Would you spare the church? Listen, I I mean, I carry a phone, right? And I like it when it helps me connect with people. I hate it when it leads me to disconnect with people. And it's easy to do. And I get it. I get it, for real. But, y'all. One of the things that we have to learn to do when we come into this space is we have to learn to show the other people who share that space with us that they're more important than our dang phones. And I get an amen. Are you hearing me? Then number three. Scooch on over. Now, in my heart of hearts, the name of this sermon is not welcoming. It's scooching. Scooch on over. Learn to physically create space for others. And then metaphorically learn to do it with everything you've got to. Learn the practice of what it means to slide on down a little bit And make room for somebody else. Make a space for somebody else and all that they bring and all the importance that they bring to the table. All of the reflection of Jesus that they are and they bring to it. Scooch on over, slide, talk a little bit. And learn to welcome each other into that space which you so dogmatically might be uh, tempted to think of as your own. I um, heard a story from a guy one time, and he said that he went to this church. He literally stopped going to this church because one time he got so embarrassed because he sat in somebody else's seat, and this lady came up to him and was like, uh, "I don't know what you think you're doing in my seat." And I was like, "Oh, I know that lady." Long before I came to Central. And that seems silly. And in a physical way, I guess it is. But I'm telling you that that practice of scooching on over and making some safe space for somebody is a little bit deeper than just where you put your bottom on a pew. There are lots of times when people find when they come to church, it seems like everybody already knows everybody else, and they've known everybody else for 30 years. And they're trying to figure out what it means to break in. And they're trying to figure out what it means to, you know, slowly show other people who they really are and see if they're going to be accepted and welcomed or not. I can't help but look around and see some of y'all that I know are here maybe for some of you for the first time and maybe some of you just for a little bit or some of you that come in the last year about the same time we did. And I know, like we talked about, sometimes showing up at church is hard and part of it is because you don't really know if there's place for you or not, right? And part of our practice of churching well means learning to recognize that for each other and being fully committed, <coughs> fully committed to scooching on over and making space for somebody. Scooching or welcoming or will come on in means being determined that we're going to be a space-making people. Create space for others. Doing so is a reflection of the gospel itself. Like Paul said, when we welcome each other, we are welcoming each other as Jesus Christ has welcomed us. And that ends up being to the glory of God the Father. It may not sound like much of an Advent message to you. You may say, well, we started off with the candle, but we didn't really do anything else. But I would have to tell you that I've been talking about that Advent message all along today. Because what is this season of preparing for the celebration of Christmas? What is it except for a time when we say, hey, let's make sure that we are prepared for the arrival of Christ. Let's make sure that we are prepared for when Jesus may come again. The creating space for others ultimately is exactly that, right? Ultimately, creating space for others is creating space for Jesus. Creating space for the intervention of God, not only in their lives, but in our lives too. We never know what word the Christ may bring to us in the person of the stranger who comes in our midst. We never never know what we may learn about the truth of the gospel from that new face that we have to scooch on over and make room for. Jesus has made room for us. He asks us to make room for each other and to make room for the stranger who comes in our midst. Doing all that, we make room for Him among us. When we say welcome to our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors, we say welcome to Jesus too. Jesus who came and who is coming again. Let's pray together. The Lord God who meets us in this space. We gratefully receive you, and we say, welcome, our God. And we pray that you will teach us to be good practitioners of hospitality, who know what it means to welcome each other and to make space for your gospel among us. In Jesus we pray, amen.